The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Green Scene on The Pat Kenny Show with AIB, working alongside Irish communities towards a low carbon future. We pledge to do more. Now, in the green scene today, how genetically engineered trees could dramatically reduce the paper industry's carbon footprint. But first, uh, why our seas and oceans are changing colour? We're joined by Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Hey, Ruth, good morning and good welcome. Good morning, Pat. So, um, they're getting greener. They seem to be. So scientists at MIT and at the UK's National Oceanography Centre have been looking back at the colour of our oceans over the last 20 years. And they're using a measure called radiance, which looks at the different kinds of wavelengths of light that's coming off the ocean. And of course, the colour of the ocean is determined by lots of different things. We we can imagine we've all seen different colours see when we go to different places. But it's kind of from the amount of sunlight that's reflecting off the ocean, what the mineral particles are in the ocean, what life is there, what organic matter. And of course, the big thing that changes the colour is often the type of living things. And there's a particular organism called phytoplankton, which which has a big impact on the colour of the ocean. And phytoplankton are these little microbes and and they're kind of plant-like because they have something that people might have heard of called chlorophyll. It's Mm -hmm. the same plant... uh, In plants, yeah. Yes, that that green plants use to photosynthesise. And these little phytoplankton are very important because they do help the ocean to capture carbon because, of course, they use sunlight to create sugar. Sugar is made of carbon, so it helps to capture carbon in the ocean when these little things are eaten by other organisms. And, of course, when they die, they sink down to the bottom of the ocean and all that carbon goes with them. Um, So so when they looked at the colour of the ocean, they found that over 50% of the ocean seemed to have changed colour. And that colour seems to tend towards more green, particularly in the tropical areas. So more phytoplankton there. Does that mean that when the sea is very blue that there's very little life in... It can mean that, yes, in the actual floating in the ocean, particularly that deep, dark blue yeah. tend to be associated with with less living things uh, in the ocean. But, but as you say, it may be more phytoplankton. We don't really know. It may be different types of phytoplankton and it also may be to do with the stratification. So in the ocean, it's not one temperature from top to bottom. And of course, what we're seeing is that there's more warming at the top of the ocean. And they did look at models to see how climate change might impact the oceans. And what we're seeing actually matches their models quite well. Uh, and, And this idea that if the difference between the temperature at the surface of the ocean versus the depths is getting more extreme, mm-hmm. it might be harder for nutrients and things to flow between the, the two layers, as it were. And that may be making it harder for phytoplankton to get nutrients, although we may be seeing more yeah. of them. We may be seeing different types of phytoplankton. So, so I mean, the nature of marine life uh, might change. Like the, the, the fish that we see, some of them might thrive on this phytoplankton. We get loads and loads of them. And then others uh, might just die away. Exactly. I think that's the key message. While we don't know exactly what's happening, we know the ecosystem is changing and and, and we know that ecosystems that have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years generally don't tend to react that well to very rapid change. But we do need to find out more. Now, luckily, we have a new satellite going up, which is going to be able to measure all sorts of different wavelengths and may be able to even pick up things like this could be microplastics causing some of these changes. So that new satellite is called PACE that's going up in January next year. By the way, um, you probably saw the story about the possible change to our climate, particularly if the 
waters stop flowing as they should yeah, I mean, with the Gulf Stream. Yeah, Ireland benefits from the Gulf Stream. So other countries that are at similar latitudes to us are obviously have ice, you know, parts of Canada. So we have this unusually temperate climate because of this stream of warm water that comes up through, through the Atlantic Ocean. And it certainly has been predicted for many years by scientists that this would weaken and, and possibly stop eventually as a result of the changes in ocean temperature. So we'd end up like Newfoundland in the winter. Exactly. Um, yeah. Our summers, uh, who knows, they're getting wetter of Obviously. Yeah, wetter and warmer. Oh, yeah, oh dear, so. oh dear. Anyway, that's uh, perhaps for another day. But yes. the, the window, it could stop as early as 2025 or as late as maybe a century later. Yeah, I mean, all these climate models have huge degrees of uncertainty because it's so complex to model. And I think what's happening now is some of the extreme events that we're seeing maybe are happening at the at the, the worse end of the models rather than maybe the more optimistic mm. trends. So that's Now, uh, in front of you are some sheets of paper. Yeah. In front of me, sheets of paper. The paper industry is incredibly important to all of us, but highly uh, energy and carbon inefficient, I suppose. It is. And, and paper mills, as you say, they generate a lot of chemical waste and they use a lot of energy. And that's because really when we look at wood, the two key components that we're talking about is cellulose that we make the paper from. But that's intertwined with a very tough, woody substance called lignin. And a lot of the, the energy that goes into making paper is high temperature and pressure to separate out the cellulose from that lignin. And, and so scientists uh, have come up with a really, really clever idea they're from North Carolina State University and their idea was if we could genetically modify trees so that they had more cellulose and less lignin it might make it easier to do that separation process. Okay, now, now the cellulose and the lignin they obviously have functions in the tree. I mean, that's why trees have evolved in this of way. Of course. Uh, what's the purpose of the cellulose and what's the purpose yeah, well, of the lignin? The, the cellulose is sort of the tissue of the tree, which enables it to sort of transport. It's, it, you know, almost like our vascular system yeah. is the cellulose. The lignin is more, I suppose, like our bones. It helps the tree structure. to stand up and structure. Exactly. So, I mean, th- there is potentially down, downsides to, to reducing the, the amount of lignin as well. But, but they decided to see what could they, they used actually computer models. So they had a huge amount of data about the genes in trees and and they analysed 70,000 different combinations of turning different genes on and off using their computer models. And they thought that most of these, they they, they over 99%, they sort of discounted because they said they would probably damage the trees such that they weren't viable. But they found over 300, which they modelled, would boost the cellulose production or reduce the lignin or, or both. And, and actually they, they grew, they used a t- technology technology called CRISPR, which people might have heard of. It's it's a very clever genetic technique where you send a little molecule in that can find the exactly right place in a gene. Yeah. It can cut it and it can replace or edit the, the gene in there or turn it on or off. So they used this technology and they made 174 different edited trees and they grew them in greenhouse conditions. And they found with the most promising ones after six months, they had re- they had reduced the lignin content by over 50% and they had increased the ratio of cellulose to lignin by over 200%. So more cellulose, which is what we make the paper from, yes. and the stuff that needs to be separated, the, the lignin, uh, less of that. Much so less. therefore much less energy required to separate exactly, the Exactly, and much less, far fewer chemicals, less pollutants. So, so I mean, they're estimating that if they could get this to work commercially, you could increase paper output by 40%, hugely cut the greenhouse gas emissions. And of course, it would be much more economic for, for, for companies making okay, paper. But it does point to the importance of recycling of paper products. 
be it cardboard or paper, because uh, the lignin has already been stripped off those products and therefore uh, less energy to recycle than to start from scratch. Absolutely. And certainly for for a good number of cycles, you know, until until it becomes too too weak to use as paper, we can do that. Here's the problem. Um, Trees take a long time to grow, even, you know, the fast growing Sitka spruce and so on. Um, So how did they know the trees will mature to the appropriate uh, level? How do they know they won't blow over in the next hurricane? Well, we don't know that yet because, I mean, of course, genetically modified organisms have had a bit of a checkered past when it comes to public acceptance. So they do need to to think about the regulation of this and whether they're going to be allowed to do it. They're going to get them into field trials so we can see how well they do against the weather. Um, And I think some of it will be about talking to the public about whether we're prepared to have genetically modified trees, you know, if perhaps they can be controlled in particular areas and if we feel they will actually have a real positive benefit ultimately. Yeah, because you never know what the downstream effect will be the law of unintended consequences when you mess about with um I mean, I think that, that's true of any technology. Yeah. I mean, it's true of things, the internet technology, we didn't quite know what genie we AI. were letting out of the exactly. bottle there. So it comes with everything. Uh, finally, Ruth, I should ask you about the wildfires mm. because we've been told, don't you dare burn a sod of turf. <laughs> Uh, and then this happens, you yeah. know, all over the world, in China, in California, in Canada, and of course in continental yeah. Europe and particularly in Greece. Yeah, no, and we are seeing now, unfortunately, that the amount of carbon being released from forests is going up hugely. It peaked based on the data we have in 2021, but it's probably going to be more this year. We've released now nearly, you know, half a gigaton of carbon in a single year. And of course, the worry is that our forests, rather than being carbon sinks where they suck carbon in and hold it, may actually become net contributors of carbon to the atmosphere. And of course, when a lot of the idea, a lot of big companies, for example, to get to net zero, they're saying, well, we'll plant forests. And that will be our offset, you know, to, to yeah. compensate for the carbon that we're using now. But I mean, if forests are under threat like never b- before because of dry soils, hot temperatures, we really need to consider how we're going to protect forests going forward. All right. Dr. Ruth Freeman, Director of Science for Society at Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.